0: You need to be connected with your body and listen to it. It will tell you so much if you slow down and really embrace and stay present in your training and are there to listen to what your body's telling you. It gives you all the answers you need from a nutrition standpoint, from a training standpoint. That's a skill. You know, you learn to listen to your body. That's Chris Houth. And this is the Rich Roll
1: Podcast. Rich Roll podcast. Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the show. My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. And of course, this is the podcast where I go deep and heady and long form. with Some of the most intriguing thought leaders and positive paradigm breaking change makers all across the globe. Uh, An incredible collection of people who really have devoted their lives to making the world a better place. I appreciate you guys tuning in today. If you would like to support the show, there are many, many ways to do that. But perhaps the single most powerful way you can help is to just subscribe. Uh, So if you haven't done so already, please, please make a point of clicking that subscribe button on iTunes or on whatever app you use to consume podcast content. And thank you so much for doing that. This week, it's all about healthy living and endurance multi-sport training and racing and lifestyle with my coach, Chris Health. Uh, Chris is the current age group Ironman world champion. He's a former Olympic swimmer and a top endurance coach. In 2006, Chris won the Ironman Coeur d'Alene and went on to be the first American amateur and fourth overall American at the Ironman World Championships in Kona. Uh, When Chris is not racing and training himself, he guides all manner of athletes, including Ironman and Western States top finishers, Ultraman winners, and plenty of swimmers towards age group nationals and Olympic trials. But before I go deeper into what's in store with this conversation, let's take care of a little business. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested, or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew, because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own N.A. beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me. I savored his fare and all its varieties, and... Deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but... Basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. Okay, Chris Health. So by way of background, I started working with Chris in 2008 and have been working with him ever since. Uh, He trained me through three Ultraman World Championship competitions, as well as Epic Five. And I can honestly say that I could have never achieved the things that I've been able to do as an athlete without his guidance and without his wisdom, which have been absolutely instrumental in my success. So I just wanted to formally thank Chris before we get into the conversation for everything that he has done for me. And it's an absolute pleasure for me to be able to give him a microphone to share his message and his wisdom with you guys. So this is a conversation, of course, about endurance training, uh, but it's also about so much more. Uh, We cover Chris's training and his racing philosophy in general uh, and how it's evolved over the years. And then we get Granular. We start to geek out on aerobic versus anaerobic training, the pros and cons of external monitors and trackers, all the devices that we use, uh, the importance of core strength, how to best execute your race plan, uh, optimizing recoveries through sleep and nutrition, and striking that proper balance between performance and general health before we kind of culminate discussing how to best overcome adversity through mental and physical fitness. Uh, Chris and I sat down quite a while ago in the early days of the podcast for episode 21. So if you enjoy this, I strongly suggest you rewind back to that episode uh, for a lot more from Chris. Uh, it's well worth your time. In the meantime, you can learn more about Chris at aimpcoaching.com and give him a shout on Twitter at AIMP coach. Uh, and without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Chris Health. Chris Health in the house, man. It's been a long time. It has been. It's been, what, five years? Four years? Something like that. Well, we did that first podcast. That was super early days. Like, I don't remember what number episode that was. Three or something. But I do remember we were in a hotel room, and we were each sitting on the edge of a bed with a little table in between us, which is exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah. (laughs) So we're reprising that aspect of it. (laughs) We've grown. (laughs) A lot of of, uh, miles on the road since then. And it's really great to see you, man. It's
0: been way too long. Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of history between us. Um, And I guess I should say, you know, at the outset, before we even get into it, I just wanted to, uh, once again, thank you, because uh, all of this stuff that I have the great privilege of being able to do these days, uh, is in such a large part, uh, the result of the time and energy that you invested in me. And I can't thank you enough for that, man. It never would have happened without all of your advice and counsel and accountability and wisdom that went into, you know, helping me during that period of time. It was really amazing. And you're, you know, at the vortex of it. So I appreciate that very much.
0: Well, you're very welcome. And also, I mean, you've had a big impact on me, because over the last few years, and all the athletes that have come to me due to your book have mm. taught me a lot about coaching, about lifestyle, about nutrition, about plant-based, uh-huh. about things that I never thought I would Uh-oh. get into. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> and um, it's been it's been a growth process for me too. Uh-huh. Um, I That's do cool. fully see myself as a better person now than I was five, six, seven years ago when we first started working together. I yeah. learned from you too, so I thank you.
1: Well, that's that's great to hear, man. Very, very cool. I would say that uh, from my book, Finding Ultra, the quote that gets sort of shared on social media and that I hear the most, like almost daily, is something you said to me uh, that I put in the book that, that I still think about almost every day, which is, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was something like the prize never goes to the fastest guy. It goes to the guy who slows down the least. And I think I said in my book, you know, this is true in endurance sports, but also true in life. And the hilarious thing is that That I see that quote and then it's attributed to me, (laughs) and every time I'm like, "No, I didn't say that. Chris said that."
0: Yeah, yeah. Ultra endurance sports—it's a different animal, Mm -hmm. and so many people see it differently or have a different idea of it. And so, being able to look at it from a different spectrum uh, when you're thinking about endurance sports is the first step to being successful in endurance sports it's there's no speed involved there the training is different the mindset is different so so much happens that you would want to look at it through a different prism and that's that quote helps with that
1: right a different prism from what like what would be the
0: default prism that most people perceive it through go hard or go home right right yeah. i i only race as fast as i train you know if i don't train hard I won't race fast, or and all that pushing too hard will not help you in ultra endurance sports. Mm-hmm. And you, 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 A, you fizzle out physically, fizzle out mentally, and it's a longer event than going hard. Right. Yeah. How has, uh, I want to, maybe we can sort
1: of, since it's been so long since mm-hmm. we did our first podcast, Maybe you can lay out your your basic kind of training philosophy, and then we can kind of pick apart how that's evolved yeah. since the last time we got together.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the fundamentals still stay the same with regards to an aerobic platform, with regards to building a foundation from what we can work from, whether it's an ultra run, an Ironman triathlon some crazy swimming event. I mean, it's it's grown across the board. I have athletes doing all kinds of things all over the world.
1: Yeah, when and, you started, it was just run a marathon uh-huh. or do an Ironman, basically. Yeah. Those were the two bucket list items that everybody would seek you out for guidance on.
0: <laughs> and now it's gone from solo sailing around the world to- Really, you coach yeah. somebody
1: who's doing no. that?
0: Um, last year I did. Wow. To helping um, guys through BUDS, um, SEAL training. Oh, wow. To the traditional Ironman, Ultraman, mm-hmm. you know, hundred-mile run things. Um, but yeah, endurance sports has a common thread through there, and a lot of it is based on the fundamentals of aerobic training mm-hmm. and getting your body ready to um, be able to work with the rigors that are coming towards it. Um, we explain
1: tra- explain what aerobic training is, you know, and the difference between that and what would be considered anaerobic training?
0: So aerobic training is more the lower heart rate, easier on the body um, training, where you're almost annoyed when you're finishing the workout that it didn't really feel like a workout. Mm -hmm. Um, It is at a low heart rate compared to your thresholds. Um, And it's usually at the paces that you'd be surprised um, how slow they are if you were to do them standing alone. But when you're doing them in an ultra-endurance event, whether it's an Ironman and your marathon pace or a 100-mile run, which is you win them doing 12, 13, 14, 15-minute miles. Um, So you're training your body completely different than for an anaerobic event, which is higher intensity, higher heart rates, more glycogen and, and blood sugars being used in order to... Um, power the muscles. This is more fat-based. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a different energy system, the aerobic energy system versus the anaerobic energy mm-hmm. system.
1: Yeah. I just had uh, Charlie Engel on the podcast. And one of the things that he always says when he gives talks in front of people, he gets up and he says, who here can run a mile? And like, I don't know what it is. I think he says like 10 minutes or something mm-hmm. like that. And so almost everybody raises their hand. He's like, well, if you could do that 135 times in a row.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Not only would water. you
1: win Badwater, you <laughs> yeah. would destroy the course yeah. record. Yeah, yeah. You know, cause people have, the uninitiated have this idea that, you know, guys that are running these hundred mile races are just killing it the whole Mm-mm. time. And Mm-mm. if you were actually to witness what's going on, oh, yeah. it's like a death march shuffle.
0: It is as well as, you also have to get your mind ready for that, right? Um, things moving so slowly towards the finish line. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole second aspect of an ultra endurance training is getting the mind ready for what it's about to go through.
1: Mm-hmm. And that, that happens with slow progression in volume, right? I mean, I remember, you know, training for Ultraman, people say to me, how can you like go out and ride your bike for nine hours without going <laughs> insane? And yeah. they don't understand that, you know, that you build up to that. Like before that it was an eight hour, and then it was a, it was a six yeah. hour, it was a yeah. five hour. And there's this weird elastic equation with time where it compresses. And suddenly that nine-hour ride feels like a two-hour ride. In the same way, if you're driving cross-country and you kind of lose time and you wake up and you're like, where have I been the last two hours? Like, I don't even remember a single road sign that I saw.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of uh, cyclists, especially in the off-season, they start doing less miles. And they like, how did I ever ride six, seven hours a day? Now two hours feels awful. Uh-huh. So yeah, you, you, time does get compressed, but the progression is also more about keeping your body healthy and injury-free. And that's sort of the biggest aspect of where my coaching and my training philosophy has evolved. And that is the primary singular focus on keeping athletes injury-free and healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's a wide spectrum. Um, But in order to train successfully, to build that load, um, to be able to do it day after day after day, we need to start with a healthy and injury-free body. Mm -hmm. So if we can start with that first point, we are set up for success in endurance training because then we can create the load day after day, week after week. And within that spectrum too, is that the athlete learns so much more about their body. If they can stack the training day after day, they're starting to observe things, how their body reacts to the training, how they're recovering, how they're sleeping, all those things that help them become a more educated athlete. And then from that, it's a cycle of success because Mm -hmm they understand themselves better, they can stay healthy and injury-free longer, and they can stack more training.
1: That was was definitely my experience working with you. Um, I never got injured in the years that we were working together, which is insane when I think back on it. Because now, when I go out and just do whatever I feel like doing without you being involved, uh, the amount of training that I'm doing right now is ridiculously limited by comparison, and yet, I'm constantly having little issues and stuff like that. (laughs) You know, so you said, Well then the then the athlete starts to learn about themselves and yeah, I have that self knowledge and yet I still don't have the uh like the meter or the, the self-discipline required to put enough thought into it, what I'm doing so that I avoid all of that.
0: You know what I mean? Like- yeah, and you stay connected to your body when you're doing it day after day. Mm-hmm. You stay really in tune with it and you, you hear what it's saying to you. And whether that comes from um, how you're recovering and how you're sleeping to all the little niggles and pains that you might have in big volume training, you know how to interpret it. And you know how to sort of adjust for it the next day with a better night's sleep or how you're gonna move a different workout uh, that doesn't pound the legs and instead you know, go for a long swim and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that communication with your body and that communication with your coach, the all three of them, we all work together mm-hmm. and in order for you to, to progress. And that's, at the end of the day, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Being a better athlete today than I was yesterday being a better athlete tomorrow than I am today. And how do I progress? Well, healthy and injury-free is the key driver. And then just your ability to listen to your body, to know what's going on.
1: And being a better athlete tomorrow versus today doesn't necessarily, and generally does not mean running faster today than I did yesterday. You know what I mean? So I think that the discipline, uh, what what I think a lot of people, don't quite understand they understand the idea that you need discipline to get up and do something when you don't want to do it but but less understanding about the discipline to not do or to hold back or to have the restraint to not go that extra mile or go over your, you know, your limit when you're feeling good. Cause you feel like you, Oh, I feel good. Like I should go harder. I, I should, should go, go further. <laughs> I
0: should go further. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to your body as well as yeah. Progression isn't and and being an athlete isn't necessarily training harder, faster, stronger. It's, sleep it's nutrition how you take care of your body what am i doing today to make me better tomorrow might mean taking today off Um, might mean spending time with the family today in order to then wake up tomorrow and have a little bit extra time to have an effective workout Um, knowing today what i want to do tomorrow makes you a better athlete Mm -hmm. Um, there's so many ways to define progression but all of them are part of that circle of knowledge that you create so that you can continue to progress. It's not just training, it's not just nutrition, it's not just sleep, it all combines into, I know more today so that I can be a better athlete tomorrow. Right, and I think
1: that's a big part of where you've grown and evolved as a coach, Mm -hmm. and I wanna get into that, but before we do that, I I wanna camp out a little bit longer on this idea of aerobic training versus anaerobic training and, and, you know, I want people to really kind of understand uh, a little bit more in depth about what that's all about. Essentially, as my understanding goes Mm -hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, aerobic training is all about creating body efficiency. It's learning how to utilize fat as fuel Mm -hmm. through training uh, and building greater mitochondrial density so that, uh, as volume and intensity increases, the tax and toll on, on your physiology remains basically consistent, right?
0: Mm-hmm. A delivery of oxygen to the working muscles is also part of it, just becoming more economical in right. how your body works at those intensities, mm-hmm. at those lower intensities, um, and what kind of fuel, like you said, it's using. Um, cartilage ligament, all those pieces that tie into doing the motion more efficiently, more economically, using less energy, so that you can go longer. Mm-hmm.
1: And part of that is understanding that your lungs and your heart will develop more rapidly than the ligaments and the tendons in your legs. Yeah. So when you're, let's say somebody's training for their first marathon, and they they ramp up to a certain level of fitness and they feel good, their heart rate feels good, their lungs feel good, and they feel like they can go, 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 but they haven't put in enough um time, distance, volume in their legs Mm -hmm. so that those muscles and those joints and all the connective tissue is prepared for that next step. For those rigors. You're always like holding people back and and putting a lot of thought into what that progression looks like, which is basically, you know, two steps forward, one step back, take a break, let's pause, recover, and then let's build again on top of that. Yeah. these are multi year you know programs these don't for happen sure. in a couple months or you know 6 months and i think it's a you know a breath of wisdom and fresh air in, in an environment where it's all about like the hack like what's the shortest distance to this exactly. goal like how can i train for my 100-mile run on three hours of we- a week of
0: running or something mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? Like everybody and some kind of, of it, out of that, fairness, is necessity too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and If you're a time-crunched. If person. you're a time-crunched athlete. But there, my correction, my corrective coaching with them is maybe we need to adjust your goals Maybe we need to adjust your event. Don't just hit enter on mm-hmm. a 100 mile run and realize four weeks in that you're not really going to be able to train effectively for it. Right. Setting yourself up for disappointment, possible injury, other stresses because you taxed your family, your career, and all that. <laughs> Try to fit it in, right? I mean, there's so much in this space uh-huh, that can Man go wrong. Out. Exactly. Yeah. That can go wrong. And so that's what i call the coaching aspect of all this i mean i can give anybody training but coaching ties into so much more on helping the athlete be successful to the event or the goal they signed up for Mm -hmm. and some of those events as we know from you and i get monthly requests um for some pretty crazy events yeah um but then The athlete that is willing to work through it with me and talk through it and we set up a plan and um, sort of keep them on some sort of even footing to not get injured Mm -hmm. and progress forward, they learn more about themselves in those first few months on maybe this wasn't the best idea the way I had envisioned it, but I feel fitter and healthier and I'm progressing somewhat towards that goal. Um, That is the the joy and the beauty to see when people embrace the lifestyle of an ultra-endurance sports.
1: Right, because you have to—I'm sure people reach out to you all the time, and they've got some insane goal, mm-hmm. and it's about having the ability to—to to have the perceptive ability to realize, like, well, is this—did they just wake up one day, and they're excited, and then tomorrow they're going to change their mind? Or mm-hmm. or are they really genuinely enthusiastic about making a change in their life, in which case you want to harness that and support that, right? Yeah and you know as a, in the case of, of working with me all i remember is you like you never said this is a terrible idea no. or like you really should aim lower like you are supportive but you did exactly that you're like let's begin and we'll see how it goes with the, you know and i'm sure you're thinking well he'll you know he'll soon find out like where he's at with this and then
0: we can exactly. make that adjustment from there i never want to mess with somebody's goals or dreams Because in most cases they put some thought into what they're not just throwing a dart at the map and Mm -hmm. saying that spot in the world is where I want to do you know an 800 mile run. Um, Sometimes that happens. (laughs) Yes, sometimes that does happen. (laughs) 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 But um, so it's more about the the learning what they observe and they sort of get it after the first few months of saying "Eh, you know what I see what you're saying now, Chris. Maybe that endeavor wasn't realistic for now right they come to it on their own exactly and that's the best way because a they're getting fitter and learning about themselves anyway while they're coming to it on their own and then we can still work through some other goals and milestones along the way to maybe an incredible goal or event or something down the road anyway but Mm. that's the growth of the athlete and that's the fun quite honestly of coaching
1: right uh, when I first started working with you, it was the first time that uh, I had heard anything about what it means to train with a heart rate monitor. And mm-hmm. you were like, "I can't work with you until you get a heart rate monitor." Like mm-hmm. that's just that's the way it has to be. And I was like, "Okay." And we do we did all this lactate testing and figured out what my zones were and all of that. Uh, and that was really an amazing way to kind of structure and understand uh, you know how I was progressing or not progressing. Um, And then when I wrote about that kind of aspect of how we work together in the book, my heart rate, like my zone two heart rate for running generally fell around like 140. I don't know what it is right now, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) at that time. And the other thing that happens now all the time is people message me and they're like, I'm running at my 140 heart rate. And I'm like, no, no, no. That was my zone two, not your zone two. You need to figure out what your aerobic zone is. I have no idea whether you're running too hard or
0: too slow based yep.
1: on an arbitrary number that that you know was really specific to me.
0: Yeah, and, and it's funny you say that because I've actually gotten away from coaching yeah, I too probably, many I to uh, a thing uh, uh, with too that. many inputs these days. Not that deliberate training, intervals and pace and all that isn't very necessary for specific events, but I also want a lot more feel training so that you exactly like i was saying earlier can connect with your body you can mm-hmm. feel what's going on and so some athletes it's beneficial to have heart rate zones mainly to cap their effort of going too hard but other athletes are just that dialed and interested in knowing what's going on and like to measure progress at all times yeah uh, i think that's points. an individual
1: thing but i think that that it's sort of like you have to know the rules in order to break them mm-hmm. and you know by training with heart rate and power meters on the bike for so long i can basically tell you without them now where i'm at because i've spent so much time doing it it's the same thing you go to the pool like if i'm doing 100 repeats i can tell you within a second what my yeah. you know what my average time is on each one of these hundreds cuz i've swum billions of laps like you have right so you just know <laughs> yeah. yeah you know but in but without having that experience you're kind of operating in the dark right so you can go on feel once you kind of have that body mind you know connection, connection that you can only get through experience
0: yeah and the masters athlete is new to all of this right. in many cases they weren't athletes in high school or didn't have any type of formal organized training Um, and so working with them to start understanding their body and what's truly happening is part of the process Mm -hmm. and some embrace it others fight me tooth and nail right they're just like no i want to keep it fun and keep it light they don't want that data to put pressure on them which is absolutely fine again it's how they want to progress as athletes themselves Um, and if they're listening to their body and i can again navigate them to stay injury free and healthy then we're probably doing okay.
1: Right. But then there's the other guy who wants all the gadgets, right? Yes. And won't, won't, won't actually leave the house until he or she has the ultimate, you know, GPS watch yeah. and the, you know, whatever tracker device. Yeah. I mean, there's more of that stuff now than ever before, which is great. It's getting people interested in health. And if you're a data geek, you can like go down the rabbit hole and that kind of stuff. But I think it can also distance you from why it is you're doing it in the first place.
0: And that as well as if you're letting, if you're overlooking the feel aspect of your training, um, come race day, when something goes wrong, when you're dealing with adversity, totally fall apart. and you don't have your watch, or those paces are just way off, or oh. your heart rate is way off, or you can't hold a certain power number, not being able to close your eyes and reconnect with sensations and feelings that you had in many feel training sessions, mm-hmm. um, it will it will mess with your race and it's usually in a negative way right Um, your day is oftentimes so negatively impacted because your mind just stepped away from the event that you're going to be disappointed with your result Uh uh-huh do you let your
1: athletes use strava
0: (laughs) you set me up for that one (laughs) Uh, um they use Strava. I have never looked at it. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's something that they can use, but and I have many athletes that say to me, "Well, just look at my Strava file." And I go, "No, <laughs> upload it to Training Peaks, <laughs> upload it to wow. another site, and then I'll take a look at it there." But Strava is for yourself, mm-hmm. right? That's and your, your friends. own and your friends. Um, it's it's and not your a, ego. Yeah, coaches. Uh, Maybe they've embraced it more and maybe I'm a little bit behind the times on it, but... Coaches are not the biggest fans of Strava. Um, yeah, just... just
1: for people that are listening, it, it's simply because it starts to work across purposes with the intention of whatever your workout is. Like, I had to get off it because it was just inevitable that any time I hit a climb on a on a, on my bike, mm-hmm. I couldn't help but think about, like, well, here's a segment on Strava, and, and people are going to see this, and, like, what are they going to think if my, if, you know, I know Chris wants me to do a chill, you know, big gear zone two or whatever, but... Yeah none of my friends know that. <laughs> you know, like, they're going to be like, why yeah. are you such a slouch? Yeah. You know? And then yeah. and you're like, that's insane. You know, Basically, you're, you're doing the exact opposite of what you've been told to do because there's an internet site where people are going to be looking at your stuff. And I get the, the, the fun aspect of it. And I think anything that gets people out of the house and active is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but it just depends on what you're trying to achieve.
0: Yes, yes. And, you know, and there's a big social pressure to the training for an ultra endurance event. Like, what are you doing? Why are you training so slow? Or what do, mm-hmm. where were you all day? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I was out on my bike for eight hours. Um, so you don't need or want or try to avoid the extra inputs that you get from people who say, what, what is your coach having you do? Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Just come ride with us or do this. Right, and, a bunch ride on Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a time and place for that. And if properly put in the training plan, it can be a very effective, fun workout. But (laughs) yeah, eventually the Strava um, aspect will lead to, once again, not your best training, your deliberate training Mm -hmm. and your outcomes that you're looking for. And then you sort of just had that workout that, yeah, you did the workout, but there was no progression from it. Mm -hmm. There was no outcome that we were looking for. And yeah, it was. You did the motions, but you didn't train. Right. You worked it's, out. It's,
1: yeah, it's the difference between exercising or working yeah, out yeah. and actually training. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about how your approach with your athletes and with yourself has evolved over the years. I mean, when we worked together, heart rate, power meter, tons of zone two, mm-hmm. you know, high volume, which was great for me. Like I, even when I was swimming. I always, I always operated best in a high volume kind of Mm -hmm. protocol. And anytime I would be with a coach where it was like, all right, forget all that. That's all junk. You know, let's just do some super high focused, intense, you know, shorter race pace stuff. I never ultimately uh, responded as well to that. And that's just me. I know some people. And you touched on on
0: a key point there. And that is, again, that's you knowing your body and working with a coach that can facilitate that. So especially in ultra endurance events, there's people who respond very well to just tons of volume, but it's low intensity. Mm -hmm. Others, they don't respond well to the big volume. They need the high intensity, shorter aspects of training, threshold work, Um, you know, half the hours needed or half the hours of a, of a volume person, but they respond great. And they do great at ultra endurance events despite the higher intensity, shorter workouts.
1: So how do you figure out, like if somebody's listening to this and they're new to this and they don't know which person they are and they're interested in getting involved in this world, like how do you make that determination?
0: Well, we can see it a lot on whether it's injuries and how they're responding to the workout, what they're observing, how they're progressing, um, whether that's via testing or just seeing on the general workouts inputs that they're giving us. Um, So, you know, just not feeling good. I seem to be getting sick or I I mean, I'm sore. It's just not working. There's a lot of commentary that you can read through um, when people aren't responding to the workouts. There Mm -hmm. should be phases where they're feeling great where they're absorbing the workouts, where they're progressing, they can see and feel it. Um, and when they're not over longer periods of time, something's off. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, we'll go through the usual checks of sleep and recovery and nutrition and so on. But if that's still not working, we start noticing that.
1: where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Right, so you have kind of a, a... uh an open mind about different philosophies you 're not like i 'm a mafetone person mm, it's mm. it's got to be this way and this is the way that I coach or whatever like you're malleable
0: um <laughs> that that you're might be an exaggeration yeah so, that might be exaggeration right, so of people me. who know me it's just uh, for me the big thing is again healthy and injury free and in order to do that we need to build that pyramid from the bottom and so I have a lot of athletes that come to me they send me their former plans and what they used to do when they let me see their logs and so on. I don't even look.
1: I know. I was like, wow, like I can't, yeah. I say, we're starting,
0: we're starting from scratch. (laughs) I need to know you did this first. And most of the time, that's aerobic training. Mm-hmm. For an ultra-endurance event, remember, if they're getting ready for a marathon for runners, which technically three hours is not really an ultra-endurance event, as crazy as that sounds, um, or faster, and um, or a half Ironman or Olympic distance, it's obviously a different training. Uh, focus after some aerobic training but in most cases the athletes i'm working with are doing something longer Mm -hmm. Um, and there i need to know that they first have the fitness the aerobic capacity to do the volume well respond to it absorb it come out of it healthy and ready to take on the next phase of training, which is then more specific to their event, whether that's a a hilly ultra run, whether that's an Ironman that they want to race fast, whether that's, um, you know, an Ultraman, whether there's so many different events that we then take a look. Okay, you have the base fitness. We know you can do the distance, the event, Mm -hmm. especially with you. We did, I think, 80% of the distance over a weekend, right? Right, we
1: did. Yeah, for Ultraman, you had this thing that we would do each time where we would. there were like three or four weekends in the like, I don't know, six or eight weeks before Ultraman where we would approximate Mm -hmm. the race, like the race distance, 70%, 80%, 90%.
0: And on so a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, so simulate yeah, it.
1: exactly like it. So then you know you can do it. Like the confidence that you get from that alone was huge. Yeah.
0: And so then once we know you can do the distance, and many people do this in Ironman where they'll do an early season one, they'll do pretty good, nothing spectacular. But then we can say, okay, you came out of it healthy, fit. You know you can do the distance. Now for our next one for the fall or late summer, how are we going to do it faster Mm-hmm. you know and so that's when the specificity comes in
1: so what has changed what's evolved because all everything you're saying is that's the yeah
0: same. yeah as, well
1: as i mean and uh, but the, you're, i mean i feel you you got into coaching really from a performance perspective like training uh elite athletes and pros and like high achieving mm-hmm. amateurs right and 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 my sense is that that's evolved it, and and now you're you're dealing with a lot of people that are in it for the lifestyle as opposed to like hardcore type a silicon valley gunners
0: a lot less of those and a lot more lifestyle athletes for sure and um the joy there of course is having them embrace the healthier endurance lifestyle with regards to what they were doing before which was either not training or not as familiar or connected to their body their nutrition and how they're Looking for longevity in the sport, mm-hmm. um, but back to your question of what's tra- changed, not much in regards to the approach, but more the actual health and injury-free approach, the progressing month to month, and the balancing feel with deliberate training. Before mm-hmm. it was a lot more structured, and uh, this is what we're doing. these intervals are what you need to do, and <laughs> so now it's a lot more feel. It, it it's become a lot more balanced with about. of the time feel training.
1: And what was the impetus for that change or that evolution?
0: Trusting the athlete that they know their body Mm -hmm. and that they're able to give me the insight and input. It is, it is. But (laughs) again, if we've progressed to a point that we can do that type of training... that's the athlete then taking also a lot more responsibility on themselves Mm -hmm. that that we're part of a team. We're communicating and things are happening that they're excited and familiar with too. And then therefore they can progress from that. Um, so that that's, that's the fun aspect of it too. Um, that the athlete becomes more educated and Mm -hmm. the joy that they're receiving from understanding their
1: fitness. And the more that they can take personal ownership of it, as opposed to just waiting for you to tell them what to do, ultimately is going to, you know, I I think empower them to want to continue. and Yes, yes. uh, And stay in it. Yeah, their their kind of emotional investment in it.
0: Yeah. And then lastly, I would say the mental game has become a bigger and bigger focus in this ultra endurance world. Um, Coaching. Mental skills, coaching, adversity that happens on these. I mean, they're 10, 12, 24, 30 hour days uh, events. Right. Um, and so a lot can go. Yeah. yeah, it's all it's mental. All mental. Um, whether it's a 100 mile run, anything beyond 45 miles, it's, it's just in your head. Um, so,
1: how do you, what do you do specifically to train people for that? So,
0: a lot of that has to be on feel one um we do want to overcome adversity in training the days when things aren't going well you know the double flats or the stomach hurts or you know you're not feeling it those are exactly the days that need to be embraced those are our opportunities because on race day Mm -hmm. my stomach hurts i got a double flat my legs are sore You know, you're tapered, you're rested, but you're 10 miles into the bike and you're going, why are my legs achy and sore? You know, all these sensations that we won't want to be familiar with and working mentally, especially on what you also um, experience with regards to testing it on those weekends, that absolute certainty that you will do the event. Mm -hmm. Once you've gotten that subconscious space of absolute certainty, because it seeps in real deep. Knowing then that, okay, this is a moment of adversity, but I am still going to finish this race well. I have the fitness, I have the ability. So dealing it and processing it present and in the moment. And that's an opportunity you get in most training sessions. Mm -hmm. Taking advantage of my fatigue right now and saying, you know what, I'm the 10th interval in. How often do I get 10 intervals in <laughs> and get to train this tired, this exhausted, and wanting to quit? Now is when the game starts.
1: Right. Everything else is just prefatory to mm-hmm. that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think I, I remember you saying at times, if you're doing one of those super long runs or rides, uh, like let's say you're doing an eight-hour ride, like – Seven hours of it is just so that you can experience that last Eight hour. hour. Yeah, and we do that a <laughs> lot. There's in no marathon. way around that. You yeah. can't shortcut that. Yeah,
0: you can't. And ultra marathons and so on, it's you know, get the body tired first, then the training begins. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's, it sounds sick, but you know, you're 40 miles into a training run, and then those last 10 miles are where you sort of learn. most about your training Mm -hmm.
1: and do you do any work or coaching around like specific mindfulness techniques or meditation or other kind of mental practices that can it depends on the
0: athlete um, and what they need Um, but one thing I've been focusing on with a lot of athletes lately is knowing well let's say that differently they know that they have the fitness to do the event they know that they've progressed to do the event and achieve the goal times and the results that they want to. But for some reason, there's a gap between what their body can do and the validation they've gotten in training and how they're executing their race plan come game day. And so it's the exercise and understanding and working through, if I were to take your head off your body for a true visual and put, you know, Crowe's, Jan Frodeno's, um, some phenom- Scott Jurek. Onto your body, what's the delta between what Crowe could do with your body? Not that you're going to do a, an Ironman-winning time, but what could he do with the fitness that you've built and your body versus what you're doing with it? Uh-huh. And that gap between those two, that's where we then identify. Well, what is missing? What are we not executing on race day? How are we? How is that avatar moving ahead of you on um, during the race mm-hmm. with Crowe's head on your body versus your head on your own body? And where is that differentiation? So, being able to squeeze out the performance and executing a race plan uh, that we've come up with is the key. Mm-hmm. And um, so many athletes sabotage themselves on race day, realizing oh, one or two little mistakes and. Boom, off on a tangent they go.
1: Right, because when you're dealing with gigantic distances and, and so many hours, uh-uh. a little mental tweak is the difference, can, make, can be the difference in hours oh, yeah. you know, ultimate, yeah. in your huh. ultimate performance.
0: Yeah. So, uh, fitness allows you to stay present through that and that absolute certainty I talked about, but then also being 100% confident in your race plan. your race strategy for the day and knowing you've trained and practiced some of the things that can go wrong knowing what's in your control and not in your control having talked through that having visualized that that is very important visualization exercises and just getting that mental resilience going for race day is something that we do train now a lot more and i work with a lot of athletes on
1: Mm-hmm. And so what is your tip? What is your athlete base look like right now? Are you doing? Is it mostly like Ironman people? Like you said, you have people doing all kinds of different things. Yeah, so you're coaching like about what, like 40 people? Yeah, about 40 you people kind of cap it at that.
0: Um, it depends. You know, there's there's events that people are are all geared towards. And so then they'll drop off. Three or four of them, and then you know sometimes I'll be you know down to thirty five athletes have like an
1: average attrition rate of yeah.
0: <laughs> but the crazy thing is I mean and and I'd say see this as a compliment to that the coaching is working is I have so many athletes that have been with me for years and years, and they take a couple years off. And then I'll get an email saying, Hey, I'm thinking about getting ready for this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's part of the joy of the coaching, too, is that no plan is ever the same, even for the athlete. It progresses every year. You don't do the same thing year after year after, Mm -hmm. oh, I know it's six weeks out. I'm going to be doing this. No. That's mm-hmm. not how I coach, and so a lot of athletes also truly enjoy that curiosity of where are we going with this? How far are we going with this? <laughs> what's he going to have me do next? Uh-huh. So and yeah, that's uh, that's part of the fun too in in progressing the athlete.
1: And what about uh, like uh, like recovery? What do you? What's your perspective on on? sort of maximizing uh, the body's ability to repair itself when you're not training. Yeah, yeah. sleep,
0: sleep, Mm -hmm. and more sleep. I just did a podcast for my athletes. I do a small podcast for my athletes, and the theme was...
1: You know you're going to get... Now everyone's going to be like, where do I listen to it? You got to put it on... He doesn't put it on iTunes. I know. Well, well, it originally
0: started for my athletes, just a way to communicate with them, and I've already had a, a bunch of people bug me <laughs> how to get access now you're to? It. Have to put it on. My <laughs> I know. <James>. I just. <laughs> do you have a name for it? What do you? I call, call it? it the Weekly Word Pod Blast. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so one of the the topic I just finished was recovery, um, timing your nutrition after your workouts properly. That thirty to forty minute window, as well as that three to four hour post window, sleep and more sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of my athletes that know me well know I sleep a lot eight to nine hours a night in my big training Mm -hmm. um you know i go to bed with my kids eight and ten i wake up after my kids so but it you know it keeps me healthy keeps me injury-free keeps me progressing and and i'm a big believer in sleep um good nutrition um um, a good diet of um you know unprocessed healthy foods um vegetables fruit you know all kinds of right you're laughing know, you're like, it's okay man I'm i know i'm not gonna uh, hold you to the no, no no thing. no no and, no and the funny thing is that's part of my evolution over the years too we've talked about it is mm-hmm. my understanding and my embracing and my actually applying the plant-based aspect is has grown dramatically too not mm-hmm. that it was like roll your eyes before but my brain knowing what i know about my body and how it's worked all those years you know to change something to put unleaded into a diesel engine, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's a slow progress. Right. And you have to be very careful with it.
1: What is your perspective on, on you know, sort of diets of the month? Like there's, there's always a new, you know, tweak on mm-hmm. like here's the ultimate way to lose weight and to fuel for performance. And it seems right now there's a lot of uh, interest and discussion about uh, low-carb, slash you know mm-hmm. ketotic diets yep. for athletes like have you worked with athletes that are doing this do you have any experience with this like what's your perspective little on that?
0: experience with it um, I would say my athletes they do check in with me with regards to these um, diets and I say these diets because once again what works for people certain people will not work for everybody mm-hmm. So there's that general umbrella, right, of saying, okay, just because it works for this 20% of the population doesn't mean it works for 100% of the population. And it feels great and looks great for them, but might not work and look Mm -hmm. great and feel great to others. Now throw into that, under that umbrella, endurance athletics. So the demands on the body are so different, so much higher, that you're you're taking that 20% and making it five or ten percent right mm-hmm. um and again very careful you don't want to risk something that you've been working on working toward for years in some cases um well, whether it's a multi-stage race or some swim from cuba to miami um i mean athletes set these things up years in advance and to then change their diet too dramatically prior um is dangerous but You know, the fads, a lot of times, they work great for four to six weeks short term, and you have some amazing results from it. But to me, in the ultra endurance world, it has to work for years. Mm -hmm. It has to show performance and be successful and have you feeling connected and alive and remaining healthy and injury free um, over a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. And so even on the low carb, higher fat aspect, you know there's a time for that but everybody is an individual for how they're responding to it what their training needs are where where they are and how old they are you know we both know our diets are different from our 20s to our 40s can a body in its 40s withstand a low carb higher fat diet better than a kid in his 20s playing football yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) right um it's it's we're amazing creatures, and we're constantly adapting. But that doesn't mean it's, in my opinion, that it's the long-term, full perspective that it needs to stay that way for right, a couple right. of years.
1: Yeah, you know. know, I get what you're coming, where you're coming from. I think, uh, you know, one of one of the things, a key central core aspect of endurance training is trying to, like you said earlier, like create these efficiencies, right? Mm -hmm. How do you become super duper efficient, not only at movement, but at metabolizing fat for fuel in Mm -hmm. your aerobic zone? When you're in your aerobic zone, fat is your fuel, right? Yes. So I'm always thinking about like, well, how much of that fat burning efficiency is a result of the specific type of training that I'm doing? Versus the foods that I'm eating. And in my experience, it seems to be more about the kind of training that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the, tr- the like, w- you know, sort of the demands of your metabolism will dictate what type of fuel you're going to burn more than what is in your stomach. I mean, I'm, I'm not a physiologist, yeah. I'm not a doctor. I don't know based on, on <laughs> N of one of myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But part of the idea behind the low carb diet is that by sort of starving your body of, carbohydrates that you're then kind of compelling the body to burn more fat, utilize more 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 fat.
0: And Um, remember, it's a primary fuel source in aerobic and ultra endurance, but it's not the only, right? mm. We need those carbs either way.
1: Yeah, so I mean, kind of like beneath all of this, you know, it's sort of like, I can't imagine not eating carbohydrates and being an athlete. Well, and just think. If somebody's successful doing that more power to you, but I just, it's never been. But think about
0: not eating fruits and vegetables. Right, <laughs> I just because don't. They're, they're primarily carbs, yeah. right? Like that's the crazy thing. Like if you think of how many carbs are in fruits and vegetables, it's, you're still getting your carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can be very um, avoidant of, um, you know, m- meats for example, or some high carb you know, breads and so on, um, but you're still eating your fruits and vegetables. So you're still getting a healthy amount of carbs as well as sugars in there and so on you know we all know fruit has a fair amount of sugar in it Um, so again it's how your body is responding what you currently need how your body is adapting to it nutrition again in my opinion is very much like uh, endurance coaching you have to be working with somebody who knows what you need and how your day-to-day goes and the stresses and the adrenal aspects and everything that is part of this bigger puzzle nutrition and you know whether that's a natural bath or, or a certified nutritionist or you know somebody who is in tune with you and where you are in your stage of life and what your needs are from a training load from a travel load from a work life load mm-hmm. all those things it all ties in right what about your perspective on all the kind of fitness
1: nutrition, you know, the gels and the bars and the, 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 the like neon blue drinks yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff that just, you see everywhere at these races.
0: It's still, my, my opinions there are still quite strong and I know they're not applicable to everybody, but normal food is still the best thing to fuel the body especially at these ultra-endurance events where you're out there for 10, 12, 24 hours, you're going at a pace that your body can still process normal nutrition. But there's always the athlete that is not absorbing it. It sits in their gut or they just don't have the taste for it after a while. Mm -hmm. Um, We all know that you eat... 10 cliff bars in a row in training. Right, The 11th one is not going <laughs> <You're> down. Like, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I was doing
1: great in yeah. my Ironman, and then at like mile six in the marathon, I started throwing up. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you had 25 gels. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and there's a huge <laughs> industry component in the message what they're sending sending in triathlon and and, in the ultra endurance running world too of you know you need to do these gels and that sugar and that carb and that yeah you need protein exactly again you need to be connected with your body and listen to it it will tell you so much if you slow down and really embrace and stay present in your training and are there to listen to what your body's telling you Mm -hmm. it it gives you all the answers you need from a nutrition standpoint from a training standpoint but we have to that's a skill it's you know you learn to listen to your body
1: and there's a balance between uh performance and overall general health right i mean gels have their place like if you're if you're like hitting the wall and you're in a marathon, yeah. what, like you take a gel, it works. Oh yeah, you know? it's I wouldn't the recommend Snickers bar commercial, right? Day, but
0: like, it's like, here, have a Snickers <laughs> You get grumpy when you're yes. at this. It's the gel, right? So like It's yeah. effective yeah.
1: you know, in a performance context. The question becomes like, are you gonna eat those every day in training? Like you want you don't wanna do anything different on race day that you do in training, but how do you balance all of that processed crap uh, in a way that isn't undermining you know, yeah. your kind of long-term
0: health? Well, there's race simulation days where you, where you definitely want to set it all up. But beyond that, you know, nutrition is the holy grail of ultra-endurance events, right? Mm-hmm. The fittest, best athletes have been derailed by nutrition, whether it's winning Ironman Kona or you know, winning Western States. Right. It, it, if you figure out your nutrition that's really great because it works for about two or three more events and then their needs again change how many elite athletes have we all come across or seen or heard about that 5 years ago did one thing in their ultra endurance event and their body has changed and the needs have changed and their ability to absorb has changed and now they're doing something completely different mm. and the conditions dictate a exactly. lot of that i mean
1: how many athletes go out and win ironmans all over the place and then yeah. go to kona and just can't crack that nut exactly I mean, those Stories are legend. I just did the podcast with uh, Shalane Flanagan uh, a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you saw her Olympic trials marathon where she mm-hmm. they, it was in Los Angeles. It was super hot. She'd mm-hmm. never run a marathon in high heat, yeah. and she just had a really hard time. You mm-hmm. know, for the first time in her career like fell apart and couldn't figure out the nutrition and had to like go Mm -hmm. to school to figure out how she was going to be able to perform in Rio and had to change everything.
0: Yep, and even then you're not positive. Right, right? you don't know. You're still going into an unknown. Yeah, you're still going into an unknown. And again, that's a big aspect of, again, dealing with adversity on race day. Knowing and keeping a good mind about you when that stomach does turn or when you do realize that you know, you haven't been drinking enough. Um, you know, a little bit of a story of mine is, you know, last year, Ironman Kona. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough to finally win my age group. Um, but you're
1: always winning your age no, group.
0: No, no, no. I've been second and third and fourth. And right. I pretty much know what every place feels like. But that that elusive victory was still, um, hadn't happened. But I had lost 19 pounds on. Um, in fluids. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, at, in Kona and many men they weigh you before mm-hmm. you start for medical reasons. Although lately the argument is that doesn't really tell you that much. But, um, and then they weighed me into the med tent and it was 19 pounds and, and I felt it crazy. all day. I mean, yeah. it was, I was, I was behind. I knew I couldn't catch up. If I tried to catch yeah, up. Once you're behind. It's, yeah, it's I would bloat myself. I'd be throwing up. I would have, running with a sloshy stomach and, you know, I, I, but luckily I was able to stay present during that marathon, despite it being slow and Mm -hmm. things hurting and everything screaming at me because I knew why I knew what was going on. And I said, you know, this is the adversity. This is the point to go dark and just get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And luckily it worked. But again, so the point there is, you know, use every opportunity to prepare yourself for what will go wrong mm-hmm. you know um as i alluded to before um, working with a couple of seals last summer um it started with a couple of guys at swim practice getting ready for buds um and but then buds stand for? it's um basic underwater demolition, uh-huh. something. Um, but they were, um, so a little bit of background, the, the when you're going into SEALs or you're into BUDS especially, um, there's often alumni SEALs that um, are no longer SEALs and they'll sort of work with new kids going in. Um, this guy had been working in, in D.C. in the State Department doing some stuff and so now he was sort of older going into it. And so we were working together. And there again, a lot of their quotes and a lot of their learnings is fascinating. You know, I've been actually reading up a lot about how they go about their training. But there again, despite all their strength and despite all their special training and all their abilities, fitness and keeping a clear mind and um, allowing the adversity of the day to not get to you is a key driver mm-hmm. for them. And with some of the more advanced SEALs that I've worked with, a whopping two. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. not make this a bigger deal. <laughs> um, they said, you know, because of my aerobic fitness, sure, I still can do all the strength work. I can still do the Brazilian martial arts. I can still do all the power things that I needed to. But because I've increased my aerobic capacity, my fitness, when adversity strikes, I was less fatigued than others. Mm-hmm. I could make better decisions. I was more observant. And no CEO will ever admit they're tired. It just doesn't across their vocabulary. And I can't stress that enough. I mean, it is amazing what they will put themselves through
1: right so then how do you coach somebody who won't like tell you what they're really feeling
0: because they'll they'll <laughs> tell me the the positives uh-huh. they'll tell me wow i notice more i see you know i'm more present or you got to
1: read between the lines a little
0: bit exactly more and than, it's it's a leadership question cry baby exactly. iron man <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. and so again fitness supreme fitness allows you to overcome adversity whether it's in a race or in you know working with traders um, that that just need to keep a clear mind Mm -hmm. when when all hell's breaking loose. Um, And again, just having the ability to stay on top of your own decision-making, being able to observe and to continuously take in information that's fitness. That's mm-hmm. mental fitness, and that's physical fitness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, that dovetails into mindfulness pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, like the idea that it's the confidence that you get, but also just the presence of mind and that that mind-body connection. Like, yeah. when your body is fit and it can withstand stress, then you'll be able to mentally and emotionally weather whatever's coming at you, and not be reactive, but be able to kind of, you know, in this in the case of a seal. Like, make that decision that can literally be the difference between life and death.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and especially leaders for their men mm-hmm. um, and observing and being able to make those critical decisions without fatigue being a factor. Right. Those guys have supreme confidence in their abilities anyway, um, but just that little tiny edge of being a bit more tired is what you don't want. Right. And so working with them on that um, uh, different type of fitness has been awesome. That's really it's, It's been fun, yeah.
1: There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. Yeah. I mean, that's got to keep you energized and excited. And, you know, just by way of background, um, you know, you've been doing this for a very long time. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you swam at an elite level throughout high school and college, you competed in the Olympics and swimming for Germany. That was was that? Ninety, ninety-two,
0: 92 and 96 92. Yeah. Oh, so two olympiads no. one as an alternate uh, though okay but you, <laughs> so i watched you were there all right that's i warmed right. up i warmed down yeah you,
1: hey, listen then you were there yeah that's pretty awesome uh and then kind of went right into triathlon and mm-hmm. iron man mm-hmm. was a pro for many many years mm-hmm. uh I
0: right. wouldn't say many, many years. How many uh, like years were you three. pro? Three years? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: You won Ironman Coeur
0: d'Alene, mm-hmm.
1: right? Did you win any other Ironmans? You won that A one. A couple
0: of halves. A of ha- okay. um, Hawaii 70.3. Right. Um, escape from Alcatraz and things like that. But uh-huh. yeah, the, the victory line isn't that long, but in each distance. So I'm pretty happy about right. that.
1: Yeah, it's cool. And then and then moved into being an age group athlete while mm-hmm. you were coaching. You've never really retired Mm-mm. from being an athlete. You've been mm-hmm. an athlete consistently your entire life. Yes. So how do you maintain your enthusiasm, like your joy and your love and your interest in what you're doing without burning out?
0: There's many answers to that. Um, of course, we're creatures of habit. It's been part of my life since I'm five years old. Um, whether it was swimming or endurance athletics. Now, well, for you the last took 25. a you took a
1: dark turn down a finance alley for yeah, five minutes, right? Exactly. Before you high-tailed yeah. it back to being yeah. an athlete, I was
0: like, "Wait a moment. <laughs> 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 what am I doing here?" Uh-huh. But um, so creature of habit, um, and then the adventures and the um, new challenges create, uh, keep presenting themselves. Um, having done a 100 miler, my second one two weeks ago.
1: Right, so let's talk about that. Is that um, your, that is your second, second one? Yeah. Second 100 miler.
0: My first one was pretty flat. It was the uh, um, Rocky Raccoon a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and it's basically 520 mile loops. So pretty it's in flat. Like, Texas, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I have a friend who's done that one. And so I said to myself, I didn't want to do triathlon this year. I was going to take a break from Ironman after many, many years. And um, so I said, I want to find one of the hardest hundred milers now um after rocky raccoon and having finished that successfully so i did wasatch 100 uh two and a half weeks ago
1: yeah that's widely considered one of the most difficult yeah, ones yeah, it, it was possibly sign up for
0: <laughs> it was pretty hard yeah. yeah it was great until mile 67 and you know you run in this spectacular environment up on this beautiful ridge line you know 10 up to eleven thousand feet i mean it's gorgeous and then it you know you you're at 67 miles, 100K about in, and then you're going into the night. It's 9 p.m. You put your lights on You get your warm clothes ready because it's going to be 24, 25 degrees up there on the ridge um, after being 75 and 80 most of the day. uh uh-huh um harder
1: to fall asleep on your feet when it's 24 degrees yeah
0: you know sleep was never really i never really felt sleep deprived or it that it really hit me you're you're so on adrenaline and on on your brain is on because then you're looking through that light in the middle of the night and your world is just this like two by two yard space in front of you and you're just thinking don't fall Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't fall off the ridge but Um, it was more just the terrain and the difficulty of it, of that race late. It was brutal.
1: Right. So what did you learn about yourself and what it means to do a race like that, that perhaps you didn't, uh, didn't, didn't know that didn't know. Well, that was
0: part of the new challenge for me is, um, my challenge is more mental now. I want us to know, I like going into that really dark space and once there, I like foraging around, like there's, and unfortunately, I mean, in a good way, it didn't happen at Wasatch 100. It never became super challenging where I had to overcome a lot. My fitness allowed me to sort of just work myself through that day pretty well. I never really hit a dark spot, Um, but that's the challenge and that's where I like to be, whether it's in training, you know, 50, 60 mile training runs, um, where you're just not feeling it and just,
1: 50, right. 65.
0: I know. I went a little bit overboard. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, but those were the days that I wanted because I just, it, there's just something fundamentally raw and being in those places and just not wanting to continue. And it's completely mental and I'm learning about myself, I'm learning about my past, I'm learning about so much inside me when you're that fatigued, and everything's screaming at you physically to stop, but mentally you know to keep going, Mm -hmm. and so there's something happening there, that's part of my latest motivation. Um,
1: That's the heart of it, man, that's the beautiful, for me, the beautiful allure of those kind of crazy events, because it strips you down to, the rawest essence Mm -hmm. of who you are and you have to confront yourself in a way that, you know, short of, I don't know, doing ayahuasca or something (laughs) like that, you're just not going to get to.
0: And there's, there's a purity to it. There is. And and, and to sound a little cliche in this day and age of so many inputs on a daily basis, um, whether it's technology, whether it's family, whether it's work, whether it's just everything's always coming at us, it takes longer and longer to, let go into that space and longer into, I've noticed into training runs where it's like, well, you know, when am I finally just going to clear my mind, mm-hmm. but you can't look for it. It just happens. And once there, it's not like you're going, Oh, thank you. This is great. Cause usually there's a little bit of a physical price for that, but, um, it does set you up and, and allows you to think clearly and come out of those runs and those moments reinvigorated understanding yourself your surroundings your loved ones completely differently
1: mm-hmm. i think there's this idea with a lot of people that uh whether it's iron man or a 50 mile run or a 100 mile run or 135 mile run <laughs> or whatever it is or it's 50 iron mans in 50 states mm-hmm. in 50 days that These things are all interchangeable. No, like once you're you're an Mm -hmm. ultra endurance athlete, you can just tap in and out of all of these things. But there's a huge difference between doing an Ironman and running a hundred mile run. There's a huge difference between a fifty mile run and a hundred mile run.
0: Absolutely. And and so there's two things that you're saying there. One that I wanted to would comment on is there is the difference of what's happening. Um, You know, Ironman in the meantime has become a race many, many, many athletes just race it. They have the ability and the fitness and the knowledge and the coaching and the courses to really race it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's crazy. T- to, it's
1: tactical. Yeah. Not just you against yourself yeah. and the course, but you versus the other person. Exactly. With surges and all Racing, racing.
0: truly yeah. racing. Um, and you don't do that yet in a 100-mile race. I mean, even the guys winning Western States, although it, that's even, that's gotten. Yeah, um, I mean the State, yeah. Western States this year. It's, it's crazy just hit the rivet and hold mm-hmm. <laughs> and whoever holds the longest <laughs> or, or doesn't get lost uh-huh. yeah For who jim. was that guy who jim. was way out in front yeah, yeah, and looked I, like he
1: was gonna win it yeah
0: and and he missed a ribbon mm-hmm. and he went straight instead of a left turn into this smaller little path and you know he was on course record i forget his last name but jim and you know Again, uh, amazing athletes are coming into the ultra-endurance spectrum. Right. But the second thing that, that uh, regarding what you just said, there is a level of lifestyle fitness that I like to call it. And that is that us as Masters athletes um, have a level of endurance fitness, not only from a health perspective, but that we can embrace challenges that come up. Like we have a mutual friend in Santa Monica. He was bored with all the ultra races or or Ironmans. And, you know, this thing came up to run once around Kilimanjaro, Mm -hmm. right? It was five days and a variety of things. And and these incredible farms up there, but some pretty gnarly stuff. And his fitness that he had built over the years allowed him, within a matter of six weeks, to be able to do that event at altitude. You know, I think it was 100K a day, something like Mm -hmm. that. And do that you know just to be able to say you know what i woke up i decided to do that race i adjusted my training for a few weeks nothing major and i did it and that's what i call that life fitness where you can just take on the challenges that were really cool and make you feel alive and are unique and just do it
1: yeah that's so so in other words with a certain number of years and level of training you raise your floor so high exactly. that then you can chase different ceilings you can no. you you can like be flexible with that.
0: Which yeah. Is pretty cool. And, and, and experience, and you really use your fitness to live, right? I mean, when else do you get a chance to run around Kilimanjaro? Or another athlete of mine, he currently can't um, run or even bike, so he decided to do a 10-mile ocean swim. Mm-hmm. He's not a swimmer. <laughs> right. And he's probably going to listen to this and go, no, I'm not a swimmer. I'm trying to become a swimmer. But, you know, but it was an amazing event. He was successful at it. He, was, he loved it. He's addicted to it now and wants to swim more. And so life fitness to just take on those incredibly invigorating experiences.
1: What do you do when when you yourself just can't get out of bed? Like, you, you've got to have those days where you're like, I'm just not up for it, man. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this since I was six years old. Like, I'm sleeping in. I know I got this race, but, you know, I just,
0: ugh, seriously. Rich it doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Never every,
0: happens. Everybody who knows me <laughs> is laughing you right now. You are a robot. Um, in that respect, I have certain rules. I don't get up for morning swim practice anymore. Uh, like yeah. that's one thing. If it's dark and I it's not sunny. I can't
1: do that. And I can't swim in an indoor pool. Either. Yeah.
0: Very rarely do I. I, I don't, can't even remember the last time. I must have been on the road if I was swimming indoors, but mm-hmm. I do not get up when it's dark to swim there's just fundamentally can no longer do that so yes
1: it it triggers like this crazy memory and
0: that cold and 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 here my athletes are probably going really and you make us get up every morning and swim (laughs) but i think i put in my years but no i i get so excited about that daily progress i have a little quote on my wall a lot of my athletes know this it's just it just says what have you done today today in capital letters to to come closer to achieving your goals. Like there's something you can do every day to make you a better athlete. So
1: the, for you the motivation is internal. You're not oh, yeah. you're not driven by any externalities. There's no external pressures or This
0: last year the Kona getting that getting monkey it, off my yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. off my back it was pretty important to me and um, I was able, it was just you know, like a crazed dog, (laughs) Uh just running towards that finish line. And it was a huge relief to finally have gotten that. But no, um, the 100 mile run a few weeks ago, it wasn't about a place. It was about the adventure. Um, 100 mile runs also are really fun on a side note is because you have crew. So Bunch of my friends yeah. flew in. I have a bunch of buddies in Park City, and we had a fantastic fun weekend. Sure, I ran a hundred miles on the side.
1: Are those but, endurance athlete friends, or just just, just friend,
0: buddies? Friends? Yeah, some of them. They what they were getting involved. Um, in? All of they, them. I
1: bet they t- had no idea. <laughs> no, 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 how no, no. They, they've
0: gonna... all done this stuff. <laughs> okay. They're all endurance athlete yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if anybody in there. No, nobody in there was not familiar. Yeah. Hasn't done Ironman or something similar. So, but so that's really rewarding. Um, and just, you know, it, it, it's part of who I am. I love being fit, being connected, and staying healthy.
1: Does that make you frustrated, though, when you have athletes who, who do have run into those kinds of issues, because it's just not part of your, your
0: makeup? I think I've become more patient with them. <laughs> um, yes, uh, I understand. You are that. a
1: buyer beware coach. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Like what yeah. I always say yeah. when people yeah. are like, "I want to talk to Chris. Can you get me in touch with Chris?" I'm yeah. like, "All right, he's he'll he's an amazing coach, but if you're looking for a pat on the back, no, no and no. an attaboy, he's yeah. not your man, no."
0: no, that's not me. You know? <laughs> it's, yeah. And you know, a funny thing is every now and then I I give out praise like that and, and then people it's like, are oh like, my. oh my God. <laughs> so uh, no, I've worked on improving uh-huh. that. Sorry. I mean, that's one of those things. Um, yeah.
1: With age, you're getting soft. Yeah.
0: No. Well, it, it, it's just having more examples of actually the other way around of people really really tra- caring and trying hard to mm-hmm. make it all work and then you know failing right and so understanding that they're they're trying and they're not able to whether it's work whether it's family whether it's injury and and, and so they want so much and to not be able to achieve it is more has more become a, a compassion aspect and an, and I don't so you have know a about sliver empathy, of empathy yeah, in there that's a, like like. <laughs> that's a big word that's a big word
1: what are the, what are the biggest common mistakes that you see in the athletes that you coach or or maybe not just the athletes you coach but when you go to these events and you observe yeah. like you get you're going to Kona you know in a couple of days right yeah, yeah um, when you go to Kona and you see all these athletes gearing up for Ironman, you're just sort of taking it all in the mm-hmm. circus. Well, they're at the event already. So, right, so I they've mean, already made it, uh, but yeah, like what the, is, you know, what do you, what, what are things that like people who are listening who maybe they've done a couple races, yeah. maybe they've done an Ironman. I don't know. Um, but things that you just go, they just, well, it, it like, applies they just actually
0: across all spectrums of athletics and in a cliche way across in life too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, not training with an outcome in mind is one of the biggest aspects. Um, a lot of people just work out, they go out, they're doing the motions. And while that's good in the beginning, you know, you are getting fitter if you just do the swim, the bike, the run, or mm-hmm. just the run or so on. But eventually you get to a point where you're no longer appro- improving and there's no deliberate training happening. You know, there's no outcome in mind. And that's, that's very important that training with intent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another another thing is the the classic piece that we spoke about. I bet you last time, and that is not training hard enough on hard days, and not training easy enough on easy days. You know, no, not enough changes in in uh, speed. Um, Another thing I find with a lot of athletes these days, and let me just qualify athletes. To me, an athlete is not some elite athlete that has the results or, or achieved certain times or placings. Having Being an athlete is just a mindset. It's your ability to think about what you're doing, how to be successful, how you're progressing, and setting yourself up for the best next workout, um, the next day, today, whatever. And so even if you're a beginner or you're a world-class athlete, you're thinking the same way. What am I doing now mm-hmm. to, to, to improve myself? Um, so I think uh, one of the things, uh, another thing that athletes um, overlook or make mistakes with is that they take too much time off in the off season. Mm-hmm. So they have these goals, they have these endeavors that they want to take on this coming season and then they take off a lot of time in the winter. And, you know, it takes them 6, 8, 12 weeks just to get back to par fitness.
1: Right. And the right? older you get, the, the longer, longer it takes. takes. Exactly.
0: So you get into this early summer, finally getting back to fitness you had late the previous summer. And you're expecting a different outcome of your results by doing the same cycle of training. So understanding what am I doing in order to maintain some sort of connection to that fitness? No, you don't have to always be completely on it, but finding an activity, finding some training cycle that keeps you close to par, Mm -hmm. your best fitness, so that two, three weeks of good training puts you almost right back at it, Right. you know?
1: one of the things that I always see and that I catch myself in is wanting to always train my strengths and overlook my weaknesses. Yeah.
0: There's so, there's different theories on that. Um, Especially being in a triathlon coach um, and you would understand this as a swimmer, there is a lot of wasted time for swimmer for, for triathletes practicing swimming. It's just not a good use of your time. Mm -hmm. Um, No matter how much you swim, you're not going to be a 53 Ironman swimmer or, you know, a 23 half Ironman swimmer. You can spend all the time and you want in the pool. You'll maybe gain in the next six months, two, three, four minutes. Whereas if you spent that time from logistics of getting to the pool and that training time and getting home and so on, and you spent that biking and running, you're probably better off. You'll find a half an hour.
1: Right. It's easy for you as a swimmer and myself as a yeah. swimmer to say that. It's it's harder to hear that when you're somebody who's afraid of swimming or doesn't have that much experience and feels like they have a lot of room for improvement. But the truth of the matter is is that in in triathlon, the swimming is so de minimis, yeah. right? But the other mistake that I see people, uh, that I see triathletes making, triathletes that don't have a robust swimming background, is they go to the pool and they're so focused on getting –
0: yardage in getting the
1: yardage in getting mm-hmm. the volume in <clears throat> and they just refuse to work on stroke yep. and you can look at their stroke and you're like dude like <laughs> if you took a month off and just did drills and got mm-hmm. your stroke sorted Catch out up right, freestyle over and, would, and over would, and over again you would have a quantum leap and improvement but yep. that requires the leap of faith and some trust and they're so afraid of like not being fit you know that they can't allow themselves that that you know that type of focus
0: looking for a certain yardage um and not thinking about you know again what we said not training with a workout outcome in mind what is it i want to gain today versus just swimming laps in the Mm -hmm. pool continuing to reinforce bad habits Um, so yeah you're totally right Um, the other thing i find is that athletes often sign up for events that are not realistic in their current lifestyle Um, And that is whether it's a 100-mile run and they realize a couple weeks in that... (laughs) that training is just not going to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't have the hours. They don't have the job. <laughs> they don't have the family to yeah. support that.
1: That bet that they made with their buddy at the bar, yeah. you know. Is Hitting to enter too early. Enthusiasm around yeah. that starting to wane quickly. Yeah. And
0: it's 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 frustrating. It creates a lot of anxiety. And then you either give up or you're only a shell of yourself trying to keep up with the training. So I think that's a very important aspect. Before you sign up for the event, no. More about the training and what time commitment or what your own expectations might be. From are you you just finishing, which is totally fine, um, but know that. And so when you have anxiety about the workouts or about how you're going to get it done, you can rem- remind yourself. Oh, wait a moment. This is just the finish. This isn't for some you know crazy result. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what about uh, cross training? You know the gym weight room. Uh, strength training—you know, things that that triathletes and runners don't like to think about too much.
0: Yeah, it's actually gotten a lot better. Um, cross training, CrossFit, even—all um, helpful. You know, again, what works for the body? How is it progressing? How is it adapting? Is it helping you? You should be seeing results within six to eight weeks of doing the proper type of strength work. I'm a big believer in. Um, body weight strength. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I've, I've never done any strength work in my entire life. <laughs> uh, but you believe in it. But I am supportive of it, um, whether it's uh, Pilates, yoga, um, just being connected again with your body and working on the weak spots in order to do that. I know I'm I'm probably the worst example on all this um, because I've been, again, super fortunate I've never been injured in my life. I've been able to work through nutrition and all this sports and never had any type of real injuries. It's Mm -hmm. just been, I've been lucky. And I've been doing this a long time. So.
1: But you also have never, like you don't take the winter off and you don't give your body that period of time to atrophy and certain muscles get weaker than others. Like you've just, you've been on, you've literally been like, you know, applying that pressure consistently as long as
0: you can remember. Yes, I've never been very far away from good Mm -hmm. fitness. Um, Yeah. But I mean, I also feel like I know myself very well. I know what works, I know what I need, I know my weaknesses, I know you know, what I need to work on. And um, whether, again, whether it's the sleep and the recovering, recovery, the nutrition, um, I do. My only strength as a qualifier is I do stretch cords. I love doing stretch, stretch cords. It keeps the motion and keeps me connected. And to me, it works. Um, it's not for everybody, um, but for me, it's that's my strength and my core and my connection.
1: Um, I think the core work, like you, you gave me that core workout handout, mm-hmm. like when we first started working together. And when I when I do, I hate doing it. I yeah. absolutely hate it. Like you have to put a gun to my head to make <laughs> me do it. Yeah. But when I actually do do it and I do it consistently, you know, within like six or eight weeks of consistent practice. The difference in how I feel, like Mm -hmm. in my form, is super dramatic. It's remarkable. Yeah, the amount of power that I can generate in my swim stroke, the the ability to maintain my form running when you start to get tired, uh, and just even generating power on the bike, like you can feel. It makes a big difference.
0: Everything comes from the core, um, in a big way. Yeah, and we're we're fortunate as swimmers to have a pretty strong core in general because it ties into so much of our swimming. But having maintained that and working with it um, is, has been part of the key driver to successfully running without injury and cycling all those years without injury. Right. Yeah.
1: So we reconnected about, I don't know, a couple months ago. <laughs> I reached out to you. Or I can't remember if you reached out to me to check in mm-hmm. or I reached out to you and I was like, I think I got to get back into this.
0: Yeah. It's been a couple what have of years. you been doing since? I've been Just sitting around doing nothing. Oh.
1: No, I you know, it, it it You're busy. I'm very busy, but like everybody's busy. Yeah you know what that's I mean? Good. That's a good. Point. I think I think for me, um you know, I got into ultra endurance sports less to see how I would measure up against other people and more as an experiment in self-discovery like Mm -hmm. there were certain things i needed to work out about who i was and what i wanted to do with my time you know on this planet earth and all that kind of stuff and we talked about you know that dark place that you get to where you're stripped away and and i needed that you know and i crave that and and i got that Mm -hmm. you know and i was able to figure out a lot as a result of that journey and so i feel like i've answered a lot of those questions for myself now that work's never done i mean Mm. you can always continue to evolve and grow. But I feel like I got to a place where I had a better sense of what I wanted to do with myself. And then I began to get to work doing that. And as a result of that, my life has changed in dramatic ways. And I've been blessed to have like these amazing opportunities where I have the coolest job in the world because it Mm -hmm. involves sitting down with people like you and talking to them and sharing that. And a lot of the motivation that got me out of bed put in those hours and and do that difficult work that you were you know that you were the the pro, the program that you were giving me has been supplanted and replaced with trying to help other people which mm-hmm. is great um, but it's also been a convenient excuse to be less rigorous about my own fitness protocol so I haven't raced since 2011 mm-hmm. and I feel it you know mm-hmm. it's like I don't I I want to feel fit like that again Um, And I don't have like a race that I can like orient my whole life around and my life's a lot busier than it was back then. So for me, um, the challenge is trying to find a goal that excites me and to prepare for that in a way that works within the construct of how my life currently
0: functions So So you're like every working athlete in the world, (laughs) right? Like, there's not. They have a family. They have a full time job, and they're looking for something that will motivate them in order to overcome the challenges of day to day, and you know, reach reach a spot within them that has meaning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's the search right now. Yeah. We took a stab at it, and then I went to Italy, and it all fell apart. Yeah. And I've been putting the pieces back together. So that th- for me lately, I get up and I kind of do whatever I feel like doing. I'm mm-hmm. traveling a lot, so that generally involves running. Um, but I don't like running every day. Like even no. when we were training for Ultraman, I never ran two days in a row. We do those double run days on Tuesdays, but it was maybe three or four runs a week. Mm-hmm. And by spacing out the runs, I actually progress more quickly. And now, when I'm traveling and I'm just running all the time, I just feel tired, and I and I and I feel like it's stalling mm-hmm. my ability to progress. Well, it's and I'm hard. Trying to, I'm doing this in a vacuum, and I'm just doing it haphazardly, and and then I start to feel oh, my knee doesn't feel good, or. Yeah. Well, on the one hand,
0: on the one hand, you're activating certain things which feels really good because you get in a workout. But on the other hand, you're activating certain things that you know need attention and Uh haven't been built properly or been taken care of properly. Um, The uh, uh, danger there is trying to reconnect with what it felt like in 2010. Right, Right.
1: it's that that idea of training where you're at as opposed to training where you think you should be or once
0: were. Once were, exactly. Um, And we all have these visions of, especially when we hit enter on a race, um of this is how i'm going to train and this is how i'm going to focus on it and this is how much time i'll have and it never <laughs> happens like that and it, it usually when digging deeper i find that the athlete is thinking back to before they had a family and it was just them mm-hmm. right it's like wait a moment you have a lot more responsibilities yeah. now
1: yeah but if i live like ted Kaczynski, exactly, in a, in a hut in the woods i'm gonna win awesome. that thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> right
0: yeah so um yeah, we need to we need to find you something. I we've talked a little bit also about, you know, who you are and the message that you've created. And and I think it's important to realize that you have gone and grown beyond that. And you're so much more than just a plant-based endurance athlete now. Um, I think you're more of an advocate. You're bringing people into the podcast that are expanding the horizons of so many people listening to it, learning, making them curious, um, and at least giving them tidbits of information to make them a better person. Fitness, health, a variety of aspects, food industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So... It's not about addressing any of those aspects of who you once were, but I also think that a lot of people really, really look up to you for having been able to successfully do what you did Back then, because that was the pre- preface of all this, of right? The, the book and overcoming and being able to describe that, and just think of your knowledge today of all the things and people you've spoken to over the years and how you've grown to then disseminate a completely different you, having gone through that ultra endurance experience. I think a lot of people would be curious about that second book, right there. Second yeah, <laughs> I know.
1: Well, the, the thing is, this is what I grapple with, right? Like. I don't have the bandwidth to go back and train for Ultraman the way that I did in 2009, Mm -hmm. right? Because if I do that, well, I could, it's a choice, (laughs) right? But then there's no podcast, there's no, like all these other things have to go away because there's only 24 hours in the day, right? Mm -hmm. So what's the best, for me, it's always, it's an equation of what's the best way to serve the most people in the most effective way, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it has been, uh, the podcast and writing books and traveling to give talks and all of that, uh, at some point, you know, I turned 30 in a couple... Or 30, I turned 30, yeah, I wish, right? I turned 50 in a couple weeks. Uh, and there's something about being 50, like maybe a great way to carry this message is to do another event as a 50-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to see what that looks like and to be transparent about that journey. Uh, but, but to do it in a way where... I'm not going into it. I'm not like throwing everything out so that mm-hmm. I can focus on oh, a performance no. goal. It has to function fluidly so that the other aspects of my life are in balance and don't suffer so that I can write books and do the podcast. And well, you wouldn't all be successful
0: things. as you are today without those two, you know, your life, your family being part of that 3 no, And like school. you said, that's no, no.
1: different than anyone yeah. else. You know, yeah, and so your understanding of it is completely be, different. Right.
0: But I also think what you just said, serving many... I think also serving yourself could be of benefit to many. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? right. Because you, what you observe, what <coughs> you'll learn, how you reapply yourself, um, and from a diet aspect, from your knowledge aspect, to just going through the observations again um, at this stage of your life would be incredibly valuable to many people. And so your serving yourself would serve many
1: yeah, it's that that kind of zen idea that, you know, the only, the way to be the best servant is to make sure you're taking care of yourself first mm-hmm. and it's that ironic thing like, oh, I'm in wellness, but like I'm spending all my time helping other people get yeah. well and not paying attention to my own wellness. Not mm-hmm. that I, you know, it's No, I, you're not I'm unhealthy. Over, I don't want to overstate that, yeah. but but uh but I I have this the competitive, you know, performance oriented type A dude inside of me is like, well, I don't wanna, I'm not gonna sign, I'm not gonna go do Ultraman unless I can toe the line and know that I've put everything mm-hmm. in my power into getting the best performance out of me. But and you've that's been there. not a reality. You've been there and you've done that. That's not a reality. So so for me, it's about growing past that. And that's. Mm-hmm. I think that's the hurdle that I gotta jump over because I've never been the guy who just wants to show up and run a bunch of 10 Ks and marathons and be, you know, kind of like a middle packer guy, high fiving everybody. Like it's, it's never been part of who I am, but maybe it should be, you know, there's, there's not, there's no judgment on that at all. It just has never been how I've approached it in the past. Um, And I think I've been waiting to get struck by lightning with some race or challenge that's going to give me that like juice, that level of excitement that Ultraman and Epic Five gave mm-hmm. me. Um, but maybe I need to re-examine and rethink that relationship as well, because it doesn't have to be
0: an obsession. Nor does it have to be sh- shouldn't be actually. too crazy epic yeah, yeah well, <laughs> right? that's the... otherwise I mean, you're waiting forever like, you know yeah.
1: everybody's up in the ante it's like it's impo- there's always going to be somebody who's going to do something crazier and harder mm-hmm. and longer and and all of that and if you want to play in that sandbox then you really do have to marginalize everything else in your life to accomplish that and and that's just not something I'm going to do
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. but I think so. we can be creative in finding something that. Even if, like you did in the past, create your own um, mm-hmm. event where it's not a question of a performance result; it's a completion and a message result, and and the process. Remember, like you've always said, and many of us always say, it's the journey of getting ready for that event, mm-hmm. um, of and course, w- right? And so,
1: and I think I think for me, it's also important that that the event. I like the idea of coming up with your own kind of self-styled adventure because that provides the opportunity to bring the message into it, to inf- to make the message, the DNA of the event and the message be indistinguishable from one and the other. Because I feel like I don't want them to be this dualistic thing where it's like, oh, I'm either training for this race or I'm like doing the podcast way over here. If there's a way to have them be the same thing, like how can I Carry this message that I'm putting out, and make that part of whatever this adventure is. Like whether it's a, you know, it's a documentary, or you're running from point A to point B, and you're stopping at schools or going to farms and meeting with people or whatever. So it's an integrated yep. experience yep. that goes beyond athleticism.
0: Yeah, endurance can be defined in a variety of ways, right? Like it doesn't have to be a sports-related endurance. Um, so
1: life is the ultimate oh, yeah. ultra endurance event so then, there we go <laughs> there it is there it is so and and i have to take ownership of it i can't wait for you to call me and say i've got the thing for you and i know you're waiting for me to call you and so we've been at this impasse mm-hmm. so this podcast mm-hmm. is a way of, of trying to break through that and yeah. create some accountability not just with you but you know publicly as well so i don't have the answers to that yet but I'm going to hold myself accountable to figure that out.
0: That'd soon. Be, it'd be great. It be great. It'd be great.
1: It would be really great to work with you again and I think, you know, one of the you know, beyond the just the expertise and the wisdom and the knowledge and the the program and all of that, like having that accountability is so huge. Like just filling out those workout logs, knowing that you're going to look at it. Well, the exchange of ideas too. You don't too. care. It's no. like but like knowing he's going to see it. So, yeah, that that thing like keeps me on track in a way that I've proven to myself time and time again, uh, I haven't been able to do on my own. And I think that's a very
0: human thing. Yeah. And, and the relationship between coach, athlete, athlete, coach, friends, where, you know, you take on this endeavor and this growth and this progress together and getting to know yourself better and better again as an athlete and just that invigorating, connected feeling of, wow, there it is. That's that's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been around for a couple of years. But yeah. now... Oh, there's that guy. And there's that right. guy. Exactly. There's that yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> yep. Let's see. I don't know.
1: I'm open to ideas.
0: Yeah. Well, I've I've, I've talked about swimming for you just mm-hmm. because it's something that you know how to do at a very high level. So maybe there's something there with regards to swimming and an endurance event. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the pool,
1: yeah. I, like, you just scared me for a minute because, as as you know, like being a swimmer, the idea of just swimming,
0: yeah, like it's you know, hard. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'm down for that, you know. No, it's we'll, the variety. we'll build fitness in a variety right. of ways, yeah, okay. yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I don't yeah. know what it's going to be, but, um. But the truth remains, which is the prize goes to the guy that slows down the least. Yeah. And I'm just trying not to Even in swimming. You know, that's
0: true, right? Mm.
1: Cool, man. So we did it. Yeah.
0: How do you feel? Good. Good. Another episode. Did we talk about everything? Well, you know, I could always talk about a few more things.
1: Yeah. Well, you're going to Kona in a couple days, right? Yeah. Um, Any big Kona predictions?
0: No, I stay out of that world. Um, I don't pay enough attention to the front of the pack. I don't know anything and, about it. Anymore. I mean, I know there's some phenomenal athletes up there, and a variety of them could win it. But there's some heavy favorites, so it'll be fun to watch it. I mean, how many times have I been there to watch? Yeah, Not you're going a lot. Just, to, just watch. to watch. I don't even have an athlete racing. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy after so many years, but you know, years where I had 22, 23 athletes. That was a little busy including myself racing. But this year no, going to support a few friends, going to meet a few people in the industry and then take in the race and come home.
1: And what's what's the next uh challenge for you?
0: Um yeah, that's uh, that's still open. We're trying to determine if uh, I, I'm going to put in for the Western States Lottery, uh-huh. but there's a very small chance of getting in. It's like four point seven percent. So
1: how did you how did you place out at Wasatch? Twenty
0: um, third or twenty fourth. Yeah. And you don't yeah. think
1: you'll get in at Western States? Um, How does do it I, work?
0: Um, no, it's not a question of your time or your ability. It's it's, it's truly a, a lottery. Yeah, it's a pretty highly desirable event. And sure, there's some races where you if you get top three, you're automatically qualified or stuff like that. But I'm not at that level. Right. And um, th- do I think I could do well at Western States? Yes, I think actually... It's your kind of terrain. Yeah. And, altitude, yeah Tahoe. Yeah. That's, and that's after doing Wasatch and sort of learning a lot more about myself versus a flat race and how I can probably do it better. I mean all this. You just learn. Mm-hmm. You learn, you learn, you start thinking, you start going, Hmm. Um but you know, yeah, so a respectable finish, yeah, but that would be a a, a lottery win if I get in this year. Otherwise, I'll probably do a couple of ultras, uh, 50 milers. Um, and then there's some adventures still out there.
1: Bad water, not interested? No. They, too much uh, pavement?
0: Uh, too much pavement, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. It's, it's That's a that's a whole different animal that I won't even attempt to think I'm part of.
1: I crewed for that race one year. Yeah, I know, I, was, I remember.
0: I, I saw a lot of suffering. Yeah. There's an Ultraman um, bug in me. Um, I
1: think that's your race. Yeah, I, I have... You my, would dominate. A
0: few people have...
1: I can't believe that you haven't done it yet.
0: ...commented on that, yeah. It's uh, wide
1: open right now.
0: Too. It is. I, I sort of like running. Um, the cycling, I'm not that intimidated by, and I know how to swim. So, But, you know, it's. You know, I want to do it with my kids. Oh. I want to have them crew. I want to have them older and really be part of it. Um, not that I'll get any better by then mm. <laughs> as, as we're getting older, but... You know, I think I can hold on to some good fitness for I a few think, more I years. Think,
1: I think you would walk away with that race.
0: Uh, I, I know a few people have tried that, um, whether it's the Hillary Biscay's and so on. But, um, yeah, it's it's a curiosity, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, the training for it and getting deep into that would be fun too. But yeah, so that's a bug, um, but no, yeah, nothing, right. nothing too scheduled.
1: So uh, let's end this with one last question, which is uh, if you if you had some words of wisdom to the guy or the woman out there who's listening, who's maybe having trouble getting off the couch, but is interested in perhaps dipping their toe into this world. Maybe they've never run before. Maybe they're getting ready for their first big, intimidating race. Like, what are the you know what are some doable, practical tips that you could give somebody to? get started
0: the first thing is always always a little something every day get a little something started every day whether that's 20 minutes whether that's 30 minutes whether that's an hour and progress just gradual progression Um, a lot of us are too focused on perfection there's a training plan I missed two or three workouts therefore I'm failing that is not how it works you did seven out of ten great next week let's do seven out of ten again maybe even eight progress not perfection
1: you're always the guy who says you know if you miss that workout it's gone it's vanished okay. into the air you don't go and then try to make it up and Mm-mm. do two workouts the next day like Mm-mm. that's the, that's a big
0: they just mistake. keep moving forward always moving forward how am i progressing as a person as an athlete tomorrow better than today and so getting up off that couch, it's just about doing a little something better fitness-wise today than I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Whether it's I walk to work, I walked to the subway, I rode my bike, or anything to just make you a little tiny bit fitter, healthier than yesterday.
1: It's
0: good talking to you, Chris. Yeah. Good to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Like you want to keep talking?
0: You got anything you want I, to say? I live for, I live for <laughs> this stuff. I, <laughs> we'll I, do it again soon. Yeah. I can just, I can talk about this stuff all day. Oh, me too. You know, I mean, and know. we're both passionate about it. That's what makes this stuff easy. It's um, impacting people on a daily basis, even just one person, to have a better understanding of health, nutrition, fitness, and just getting them into a better place.
1: It's the key, man. It's the key to unlocking so much more than just oh, I need to lose a few pounds. Like if you really want to, you know, tap into uh, a deeper understanding of who you are and what makes you tick. Like this is the way that I did it, you know, with your guidance, and I want everybody to have their version of that experience. Um, it's a great way to live, man. It's a great lifestyle, and, and it's fun. Uh, it's yeah. fun.
0: I mean, that's the thing. Remember the why you're doing it. Why is because there's joy in it, there's fun in it, it makes you feel alive. And yes, there's hurdles to overcome. It's hard in the beginning to get that fitness to feel that alive. But there's an incredible reward at the end of that, and that is health, longevity, mm-hmm. um, and just feeling connected with this wonderful, wonderful tool we've been given called our bodies.
1: The reward isn't at the end. The reward is as you go, right? And it's that idea of enjoying the process. You know, it's so cliche and silly to say it, but, you know, it is the journey. It's not about your time when you cross the finish line or what place you get or any of that stuff. It is the process and learning to love that and not look at it like it's burdensome or, uh, or something to be dreaded but rather to be embraced and enjoyed like you it's said discovery is, it's discovery
0: uh, learning who you are as a as an athlete as a person as a human being because you have this body and just living in it mm-hmm. with it in 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 harmony and living with it longer that's the key right yeah,
1: absolutely man so so let's uh, let's figure this out. Find a yeah, find, a, find a some band. kind of challenge and, and make it happen, Matt. Yeah,
0: that'd be great. All right, dude. Yeah. I appreciate. it. Thank you. you Thank you for having much.
1: me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if people are digging on you, the best way to track you down and find you, you're at a A-I-M-P coach on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But your tw- your tweeting is is,
0: L- it's is infrequent. Yes, <laughs> <and> infrequent. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I would say. Uh, uh. And uh, how else should people get
0: in touch with you? The website? The website, aimcoaching.com, mm-hmm. A-I-M-P coaching. Um, Yeah, or I'm always Chris at aimcoaching. Um, yeah. I have a lot of people that email me at chrisatamecoaching.com, just with questions. Just, hey, I don't really have this coaching thing. I'm not looking to be an athlete, but I was wondering what you think of this. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, fire away. I, I, I never hesitate or mind Working with people to just get them moving forward. I love it, man.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Wow, I just had a final thought that I was going to say, and I just completely
0: based on it. I don't know
1: what happened, but uh, cool, man. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me. Let's do it again soon, dude. Yeah. All right. All right. Peace. Plants. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. As always, please make a point of checking out the show notes at richroll.com on the episode page, lots of links and resources to take your education beyond the earbuds. Uh, Thank you for sharing the show with your friends and on social media, for leaving a review on iTunes, for subscribing, of course, as I said earlier, and also mad love to everybody who has made a habit of always using the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. Huge. Huge. Help to us. We appreciate it. And also to those that have gone the extra mile and supported us on Patreon. Uh, you can find the Amazon banner ad and the Patreon banner ad on any episode page on my website, richroll.com. Also, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to my weekly email. It's called Roll Call, it's free, it's short. Just five or six tips, tools, resources, uh, a list of documentaries, books, articles, products, things I've come across over the last week that I've enjoyed or that have inspired me or found useful. Totally free. Never going to spam you. You can sign up on my website. There's plenty of places to enter your email to subscribe. Also, as always, go to richroll.com for all your swag and merch needs we got signed copies of finding ultra and the plant power way we got t-shirts uh, we got tech tees we got all kinds of cool stuff uh, big love to Jason Camiello for audio engineering and production on this week's show as always Sean Patterson for his wizardry wizardry on graphics uh, thank you Chris Swan for additional production assistance and for help compiling the show notes and theme music by analemma be well exude love walk with integrity Embrace your fellow man, and I'll see you back here soon. Peace. Planets.